everybody. This is Erica and Yvette, and this is the Mel and Pearls podcast, episode 43, Constructive Conversations. Hey, everybody. Mm-hmm. Here we go. So Constructive Conversations, Erica and I were talking about this, and we thought that this was a really timely, impactful topic to kind of share with you all and tackle because constructive conversations don't happen on the fly. They're hard conversations to have. And we think that this episode can help you both personally and professionally. So I hope that you get out of it what we are putting in it, because I think some of the things that we will discuss today that have helped us will most definitely help you. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, Conversations in general, right, are integral to to being a human, right? This is how we communicate. We connect through conversations. We learn. We solve problems. We create relationships through conversations. And there's an art to it. Um, It's not a science. You know, of course, we'll provide uh, tools and techniques that have helped us, but it's not a science. You have to adjust it to your situation and to your circumstances and also to your style. But there is a way to have a constructive conversation because, you know, sometimes conversations go left real quick, right? So we want to talk about how they're constructive and how we can have those conversations in our lives and hopefully impact those relationships for the better. So let's jump in, Yvette. Let's get started. Yeah. So there's some themes that, that you will see weave throughout this episode, but when we're thinking about constructive conversations, not everybody likes to get feedback or criticism, even if it's constructive or otherwise, right? Because we all know, quiet is not kept, we are not perfect. We're not. There's always something that can be done better. But what do you do if you're told you're not perfect? Like, how does that make you feel? You don't feel right. Like, you kind of get twisted a little bit. But First, I think we all should come to the realization because we know this deep down that we're not perfect because nobody is. That's and that's a fact. Um, But I think when we think about criticism, it can be hard to swallow good, bad or indifferent. It's still hard to swallow giving the criticism and receiving it, Um, especially when it comes to something that you put a lot of time and energy into, you invested in like relationships. And that gets hard when you get some feedback that is not you being perfect. But so you know I what believe- I say, Yvette, mm-hmm. I'm sorry to cut you off. You, you yeah. mentioned the word criticism. And I guess for me, I always have a negative connotation towards criticism. Like criticism to me always kind of sounded a little negative. And maybe yeah. that's me, flashbacks and stuff. Who knows, right? I, I guess for me, that's why I, I agree with you. Like, feedback, right? I know you use the word criticism. I'm sure that's not what you meant it in that way. But I think feedback, right? Because feedback could be good or bad. But yes. I think sometimes when people think of critiques and 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 critique is is what it is though. Is it is what it is. <laughs> but I want people to not think of criticism as negative. Because yes. I think sometimes the word itself yes. has a connotation of being negative. Please continue. True. Yes. So, um, but I want you to think about it. So the word criticism, critique, feedback, but in order for you to do your job well or be a good spouse, a good friend, a good teammate, 
you really, really need to receive feedback as well as praise, if not more so, because that helps you to be the better version of you in whatever you're doing. But the thing is, is like, how do you ask for feedback, you know, and how do you sift through constructive feedback? and constructive or critique criticism how do you sift through that because just because someone said it don't mean it's true about you it could be a reflection from their perspective of what they see but it doesn't mean that you got to wear that critique feedback like own it right it's it's their perspective so i want to talk about two things i want to basically the two things i want to cover is more about how you ask for feedback and who you ask feedback from because you need to be clear on who you're asking for this feedback because you wouldn't ask for relationship advice from someone who's in a torrent relationship like you know it's an unhealthy relationship so why would you go for them relationship advice same thing about feedback professionally go to people that inspire you to be a better version of yourself or who their professional career is something that you admire go to them for feedback on performance presentations whatever that is because that is more valuable to than someone who is not in a in a good spot in their professional career so i think that is critical for you to understand like who you ask for feedback from that's just as important as what that as what is said to you in that feedback i don't know what your thoughts about that erica but that one was like I learned that the hard way. Not everybody you go to for feedback. No, no, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I would like to say, just going back to something that you mentioned before, um, just as far as feedback, um, to, you know, from my perspective, feedback is about your behavior, not about you as a person. True. So it's about the manifestation of what people see Mm -hmm. you do. Right. And, And it should never really be, about the person you are inside because the person you are inside is is you right you know you <laughs> better than anyone else and i think it's it's based on that behavior so so agree with everything you just mentioned i would just say that the feedback that you're asking for is on your behaviors and yeah. your actions rather than your person because it can't be personal it's about the things you do like when you think about yourself at work it's about the job you perform it's not about you as a person it's about what you're doing and those actions against the competencies that you are being rated against so I just think that that you know that's a nuance too because you you have to remove the personal from it because it's not about you as a person so totally and there's and there's two things to that. There's two things about knowing how to take that feedback is important. And it's super tricky if you've grown up in a situation or, or you're around a situation where people are hypercritical of you. It's easy for you to go to the negative when everything you do is being nitpicked um, or evaluated against. And so that's super important that you need to be able to get your mind right and process to truly take advantage of feedback without going to the negative. Uh, First, you need to know, like I said, how to ask for feedback and then process it. But then because not all feedback is helpful or constructive, 
And second, it's important to be able to process that feedback in the way that helps you to be better, which means not taking feedback personally or beating yourself up with it. You know, being able to ask for and take constructive feedback not only makes it you a better employee, friend, spouse, partner, but it makes you just as better as an overall version of yourself. And so mm-hmm. what Erica was was saying, I want to double down on that because g- getting useful feedback is can be the fastest route to growth and improve performance at work. We all we all can see that, right? But it's not always an accurate reflection of who you are. But it is an accurate reflection of how you're perceived. That's a big difference, right? How you're perceived and who you are are totally two different things. And but you still have control over both, right? So I want to make sure that we cover that aspect of it. So before we dive into how to ask and to take feedback, let's just define what constructive feedback really is. Because Erica mentioned, and I said criticism, and that went left from, it had a negative connotation to it. But let's just focus on what it is. Um, And I'm going to provide you specific examples that there's two types of feedback. There's constructive feedback, which centers on something the person can do to improve. And then there's negative feedback, also known as destructive criticism or critical feedback, which puts people down instead of helping them improve. And that is a situation where you're in a hyper critical environment where every little thing is not right, whatever you do, right? So there's two aspects of the feedback spectrum. And so one of the most important steps in the feedback asking process is like when you're asking for feedback, is to make sure, like I said, you're going to people where you value their feedback. That is so important. Don't go to people who you don't admire or who their career doesn't align with your definition of success. Like I say this all the time, right? Don't go to people for advice who, uh, for relationship advice, who lives are just like tore up from the floor up. Like you just don't want to do that. Same thing with asking for feedback. So how do you ask for feedback? Now, I'm going to use an example of myself because I just did this. I had a client presentation um, with some other partners uh, and some salespeople, and I asked one of the lead client partner for some feedback. And I'm changing names, but it kind of went like this. So, Susie, I wanted to reach out to see if you would be willing to provide me with some constructive feedback as to I'm always looking to improve. Is there anything I can do better next time or something I should work on to improve? I want to get the most out of your perception, so please don't hold back. And I and I want to hone in on that last piece, like please don't hold back, because there's being nice and being helpful. There's a quote by Brene Brown that doubles downs on this. Sometimes speaking the truth feels as if we're being unkind, especially when sharing difficult information or feedback. But in reality, dancing around the truth is unkind. When you avoid stating the truth, when we are vague or ambiguous under the guise of being kind, it is often because we're trying to lessen the discomfort for ourselves, not for the other person. So I specifically asked this person, Susie, to to not hold back, to to not 
try I didn't say like well don't be nice <laughs> you know what I mean but don't hold back really give me some really good feedback that can help me be better and so when you ask for feedback there are like five themes to think about be clear that you want honest feedback because you saw that I said like you know you don't want to be nice you know be helpful um because you want to get the most out of that conversation or their feedback and it won't work if they hold back the second thing is always focus on the future. Like I did when I gave the example, I said for the next time, you know, ask what you can do better going forward as opposed to what you did wrong in the past. And when you ask people what you can do to be more effective in the future, they tend to be more honest, right? So don't go, don't call out things where you think that you messed up in a presentation, but how can you be better for the next time in the future for the next client engagement? And, and then the third theme, there's like probe more deeply, like just don't ask Susie once, like I won't, right, but continue to go back to Susie over, over a period of time so that you can kind of gauge your own improvement um, and give them and giving her or him multiple opportunities to give you real feedback to increase the chances that they'll even feel more comfortable doing so. So it could be also helpful to ask for specific situations, like have you can do better in a particular meeting like I did in my client presentation. Here's the fourth theme, and it's super important. And Erica, I know this one, <laughs> it's hard. Listen without judgment. Like while they're providing you feedback, don't get defensive. Like, but it's hard. I, like it's hard when someone because you all think that you you knocked it out of the park and then someone's telling you something different than that's not knocking it out of the park but it's being told to you in a way that you can do better next time it is kind of deflating and you do get kind of you know caught up in your feelings but you really can't can't do that in order to truly get gather the positive aspect of getting some positive feedback or constructive criticism or constructive feedback um so try to listen without judgment and like don't try to judge whatever that you receive and then the last thing is like write down what they say don't let it go through one ear out of the other actually write down their feedback because that pause that you're taking as they're as they're as you're writing it down normally gives them more time to come up and provide you with some additional feedback to help you to be better in your role, in your relationship, as a friend. Just think about that. It's it's also, I don't know about you, Erica, but when I'm studying things like that, I commit things to memory faster and deeper when I write things down. I don't know about you, but that that that's really big with me. So write so, it down. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with what you said. Um, I would say a few things, Some just to provide some additional color. When you ask for feedback, be true to yourself about what you're asking for. So, for example, if you know you didn't knock it out the ballpark, you shouldn't get in your feelings when someone tells you you didn't knock it out the ballpark. True, because we, we, we know you it's know. Tr- because you know it's true. And honestly, in your in your heart, you do know when you don't do something really well. So you can't go to a feedback request with an inflated ego over something that you know didn't go well. So you have to dig deep, right? And, and just kind of know, I'm not saying it's easy to hear, but it's almost like you know it, 
So the, the feedback that you're asking for is more, how can I improve so that the next time this occurs, I don't repeat what just happened. So I think that's, we have to, part of asking for feedback is knowing where we stand and really being true to ourselves about where we stand. Because we know when we knock it out the ballpark and we know when we don't. Now, there are situations where you do knock it out the ballpark and the feedback that comes back to you is that you didn't. And that's when you have to have that constructive conversation to understand the other person's point of view, but you come prepared with your receipts as to what the efficacy of what you did and your results are to offset that feedback because we're not looking at this from rose colored glasses and we do understand that there are times that we do really good work and for some reason or another it's not perceived that way but that's where we come back you know it might be a little shocking when you first have that conversation right and that person says well you know this went left versus right and this is what I was expecting and yes you may not have a response at that point in time but it doesn't mean you can't continue that conversation. Like Yvette said, it's not a one-time conversation. So you can also regroup and say, you know, as a follow-up to the discussion, I took in what you mentioned, but I have these points that I'd like to discuss with you, you know, whichever way we want to state it. But it's not a one-time deal. And if you receive feedback that it doesn't resonate with you, it doesn't mean you need to have a knee-jerk reaction. You have the absolute right to internalize it and have a follow-up discussion along with yep. all the support that you need to have that follow-up discussion. So that, yep. that that's the first piece of it. I think the other, the color that I'd like to kind of talk about is um, knowing who to ask. You're absolutely right. You, you got to know who to ask. Like even during when you're, mid, you're in mid-year process and you're creating your self-assessment and then you have to reach out to constituents to ask them about your performance, know who to ask, <laughs> like, you know, because you want to make sure you ask someone who can truly provide constructive feedback and not just everyone like casting a wide net and having people that don't necessarily know much about what you do, providing feedback that feeds into a process that's going to impact your career. Yeah. So, so those are, you know, two areas. I mean, you, you were spot on event. So I didn't have anything else to cover about the, the process itself or the, the tips in order to solicit feedback. But I think that we kind of have to take a, a look at ourselves too, before we do that. You know what, you know what they say, don't ask questions you don't want the answer to. So you have to yeah. really think mm -hmm. about the questions that you ask and who you ask at the time. That is so true. So we covered how to ask for constructive feedback or for feedback. But what do you do if you're the one who is being asked to provide that feedback? Hmm, right. I get asked this all the time. Yvette, can you provide me feedback or can you provide feedback on my um, my promo doc or can you provide feedback uh, for my review? And so how do you provide really good feedback, like meaning, meaningful, actionable feedback? Well, first, it's an honor to be asked. So, so to ensure that you're giving that constructive feedback rather than negative feedback, evaluate your intent. I always say this to people, evaluate your intent. If you, if you can't say something nice, 
it is better for you to walk away from providing that feedback by finding like I don't have enough data points to um, provide feedback because your intent carries forward on how you how you provide that feedback and also on how it's perceived on what you provide in that feedback. So always think of your intent. And then make sure you're approaching, you know, the feedback with the intention of helping the other person grow. Even if you feel frustrated, you know, avoid micromanaging or personally criticizing someone. And I have done this myself personally, where there were people who have asked me for feedback where there just wasn't enough data points. Like I wasn't going to make something up. There just wasn't enough data points. So I had to decline that request. Do the same. Be very, very intentional about providing feedback. And I'm going to give you a couple examples on like what that means. Um, so you always want to make sure that you give feedback in private. So that also goes back to be careful in what you say and how you say it, because tone is also important. But as leaders, I really want to impress upon all of us not to like wait for someone to ask you for feedback, positive feedback. Always look for ways to provide some positive feedback to your team to uplift people. Don't just say, you know, you did a great job. Well, well, what does that mean? Like be specific and give people concrete examples of what they actually did well. Like for example, say, I'm impressed at the level of detail you presented in this project or your constant collaboration with the team does not go unnoticed. Those are really good examples of providing good feedback to someone. You know, the way you gave that presentation really shows you listened and applied feedback you received. That's really good constructive feedback. So be very mindful, like when you're being asked to provide feedback, it is an honor, but also look at your intent. And if you don't have enough data points, do, do a solid and decline to provide feedback. And when you're in a leadership position, even on a team, you know, uplift your fellow teammates by providing them some positive feedback. Of course, you need to pro also probably provide them some not so positive feedback, but you do that in a really positive way. And I'm going to talk about a couple, a couple of themes on how to provide feedback when it's asked for you. And now, Erica, when you, when people ask you for feedback, were you ever in a situation where you didn't have enough data points? And if it was, like, what did you do? If people ask me for feedback and I don't have enough data points, I would say at that time, you know, I don't have, you know, a lot of data points. Can you tell me a little bit about what you've been doing, et cetera, et cetera. But if they are not, if I don't have enough, I would rather defer it and provide feedback at a later time and really be intentional about making sure I understand what the person is doing and what, what, where, what, what their goal is as far as, you know, what, what they're doing, what their goal is, what do they want me to help them with so that I can make sure that my feedback is pointed and targeted for that. But let's say if we're going towards mid-year season and I don't have enough feedback, I can't provide it because yep. I would never want to be in a position where I am providing feedback that is not complete. Yep. From my and perspective based and based on data and based on points that I can provide, because I like to give examples because I want examples. When I solicit feedback or I give feedback, I want examples. 
Um, so for example, for my team, I, we just completed mid-years. Uh, they had the opportunity to solicit feedback from others because as their functional manager, I don't necessarily work with them on all projects. So there are other constituents. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. So I know how they work, but I also want to hear other perspectives to see if it's aligned with what I'm seeing. So I look at the feedback that they receive and really look at it against what I've experienced based on their behavior. And then I can have a more concrete story and I can pinpoint those areas where they should be improving or that they're doing really well. And I think that that is a holistic way to look at it. But to your point, I'm not going to give feedback when I don't have enough information because then I'm doing you a disservice. I'm just writing something on paper and that's Mm -hmm. not helpful. So I think it's, it's really better for that person and for yourself to wait because that doesn't mean I'm not going to give it. Right. And I'm not going to give it now. Right. Yeah. And it could be a perfect opportunity for you two to work together so that you can provide data points to provide feedback at a later date. But if you don't have enough data points now, do your do them a solid and yourself a solid and decline to provide because you don't have enough data points to provide feedback, but use it as an opportunity for maybe for you two to work together so you can provide feedback at a later date. So we talked about asking for feedback. We talked about how to receive feedback. We talked about when you are asked for feedback. But now we're going to talk about how to provide that constructive feedback. And there's a couple of themes here. And when I'm when I'm sharing this with you, this is stuff that I've learned sometimes the hard way um, over my career and in my personal life that worked and what didn't work. And so there's a few themes here. So the first one is when providing constructive feedback, don't use I statements. Don't just don't do it. Like note to self, do not use I statements. Um, don't use statements that um, or do use I statements. Use statements where you can provide helpful feedback where it's less than a blame game. You know what I mean? Like here's an example. Instead of saying you said you would get me those presentation slides on Thursday but you didn't send them over till Monday, which made me feel unprepared for the meeting. Cause that's you, right? That's like very like, mm. you say something like, I was under the impression I would receive the presentation slides on Thursday. Was there a delay I didn't know about? When you change the perspective from I, instead of pointing them playing you, them, it, it, the, the message is received a little better. I don't know, Erica, what about you and I statements? What do you think? Does it work for you? I- I statements don't work for me a lot. <laughs> um, they, they just don't. I, I truly believe in, I makes it seem very personal. So like I'm attacking you. Um, yeah. And um, I think that there are better ways to phrase it, especially when you have to deliver a difficult message. Yeah. Yeah. Because then that, then, then, was, yeah. Yeah. Personalize it. Cause it makes it, it's, you know, and and it's kind of funny and, and because you can, there's, there's stuff out there that says use I statements and there's things out there that says don't use I statements. I've kind of learned. You got to be in the middle. I statement. It's like I'm somewhere in the middle because mm-hmm. if you say, well, you said that's tone, right? I mean, because there's a tone aspect to it as well. Like you don't go in there next swing and be like, well, you said you want to give me those slides on Tuesday and I didn't get them until Wednesday. 
you know, and I got this thing late and then I was messed up in the meeting. So it's all about how you deliver it. But you can use an I statement. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I use I statements like when someone asks me, like they say, you know, Erica, what do you think about X, Y, Z? You know, Erica, can you provide me with some advice as to what you would do? Because then I'm speaking about myself, right? right? This is what it's, it's I think. Perspective. And it's my yes. personal perspective. And I always caveat it by this is Erica. This is not, you know, I'm not talking for right. a collective. I'm talking yeah. for me. And I think in those situations, because then that is being personal. And we are having a conversation that's a little, it's professional, but it's a little bit more about my viewpoint. But when it yeah. comes to feedback, you just have to be careful because- yeah. You know, I can come across confrontational, you know, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it's okay. So, so you got to stick in the middle. You have to gauge the conversation to determine whether I is a good thing to use, because sometimes it might be, but you just have to gauge, you know, you got to gauge it. Like I was saying, I was on a rant, like, don't use it, but there are some situations where you can use it. And other situations where it's just not a really good way to deliver a not so great message. So, you know, gauge the situation. This is another theme that you all have probably seen it or been in where they do the sandwich message method where they say something positive first and then they say something not so positive and then they say something positive again. I don't really like delivering messages that way. If there's a not so positive feedback, I like to say something positive and then I like to say something where they can work on and I end with something that they can work on because then that, then we can brainstorm together and come up with a way that they can make the next situation a better improvement. I don't like doing the sandwich method because it kind of erases the opportunity to brainstorm on how you can work together to help them improve for the next time. Well, let me say something about opinion. that. I got something yep. to say about that though, because I feel that, <laughs> and I feel very strongly about this because I know sometimes I fall into this trap too. It doesn't matter where you say the negative, to be honest, because I could say, especially I think in some cases for some people, and I'm not going to genderize it, but you know, but for some people, you could say <laughs> 20,000. I'm exaggerating, but you can say, let's, let's bring down the exaggeration. You can say 20 nice things. You did this great, this great, this great, this great, but you could have improved in this. And let me tell you something, the 19, they're just going to hear the 19. Oh no, sorry. The one thing that was said that was negative instead of the 19 things that was said that was positive. So that sandwich approach or whatever approach you use, I honestly think that sometimes people just hang on. To, to the negative, to the negative part. Um, and, and that's, and that's not the person giving the message. It's the receiver, but I'm just, yeah. I'm just being a little controversial because I know that happens sometimes. Okay. Well, I mean, we, as a people, as human beings, we are actually wired to only think about the negative. And there's some data about out there about that. There's actually there's gender data, data about that. And I didn't want to yeah. get genderific because I didn't want to yeah. get crazy. But you have yeah. other situations where in that same example that I just <laughs> that I just said, um, there's some people that just hear the positive and never hear the you need to improve upon. So it really yep. depends on the receiver, right? It does. It does. And so for me, I don't like the sandwich method personally, 
because I think it 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 takes away an opportunity to brainstorm and come up with some action items that you two can work together to help them, you know, improve No, I like for, that approach. I like that. that approach because you yeah. end it with a, and you need to da da da. Let's talk about that. And let's see how we can walk out of here, you know, with some met, you know, with some tips that you can utilize in the future. No, I and like that a lot. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. So that's why I personally don't like the sandwich method. Like you can you can either do 99 million great ones and then you end on one where you work together to come up with an action plan to brainstorm on how to how to make that improvement. But if you end on the sandwich method, you lose an opportunity. There provi- there's little opportunity to kind of go back, talk about a next, you know, the not so thing, great thing they need to work on. So that's just just food for thought out there. One of these things is like, we always said this, and as managers, line managers, relationship managers, people who lead teams, give your feedback timely. Don't wait to like a performance review to go over a laundry list of things. If you see something, say something. It's it's a big thing in New York City. It's on the subway. It works in your real life. This works in your personal life and it works at work. If you see something, say something. Now, I'm going to caveat that by saying, you know, even though you see something and you want to give feedback in a timely manner, you don't always want to give it like immediately without some thought. So you see something, say something after you think about it, but you don't be thinking about it for months. Like give yourself a day. And I say like, even if you have a light bulb moment, like, oh my gosh, if she just does this one thing, they'll be able to improve this, you know, give yourself a day, you know, so you make sure that this feedback is expressed in a way that they will be able to receive it and that you do it in a way that is in a constructive, positive way. So before delivering feedback, ask yourself, is this feedback something that will help them improve? If yes, move forward. Do they need to hear this feedback? sometimes they don't need to hear it right you have your church voice you don't you don't say it out loud right the third thing is am i prepared to help them brainstorm on how to improve like i said in the the previous section we were talking about the sandwich method if you're going to give someone not so great feedback or constructive feedback for them to do better you need to put some skin in the game to kind of help them just don't say like well you messed up bye right provide them an opportunity to brainstorm and work with them to come up with an action plan so that they can do better. And then what, if any, next steps can the person take? When you, when you step up and you decide you want to provide feedback, you need to come with a game plan as well as how you're going to help them. What action steps are they going to do? You just can't like dump and run when it comes to providing constructive feedback to people. This is something that, I experience with people who should not be managers, people managers, they don't know how to provide constructive feedback because they don't give, there's no, they don't put any skin in the game to help you to come up with an action plan to be able to do better next. But people, people managers, there's paper people managers and people, people managers, the people, people managers are the ones that come up and provide you this feedback with action steps on how they can help you or how you can go to the next step to improve for the next time. So I ranted a little bit about that, but I, I oof, mm, come with a, come with a plan. Just don't come and be like, blah, peace out. Come with a plan. Mm-hmm. That's my two cents. No, all good. All good. So, so, so we talked about how to solicit, 
how to yep. provide it. Just just yep. to close just to close out, I think that you know there is um, two things I just want to say. One, there is informal and formal feedback, right? So some of it is pretty much uh, tell me how it is, very informal. That doesn't necessarily have to be written down as part of a review process, but it's really informal feedback. And it's encouraged that you ask for that periodically and a lot because it's good to know where you stand. And like Yvette mentioned, you don't want to hear about stuff later on in the year. Um, And I know we talked a lot about career, which I think is very important, but you can take everything that we've just talked about and use that in personal conversations. True. Because sometimes, especially in personal conversations, you know, we need to just strip the emotion out of it because sometimes it's more so the emotion that kind of gets us saying things. And I'm not saying you need to have a performance review with your significant other. That's not what I'm saying at all. Right? <laughs> but what, but what I, <laughs> that would be funny though. But what I am saying is this, constructive conversations mean that we don't fight dirty. We, when we're talking about things that are negative or some things that, you know, are upsetting us, we might need a minute to cool off. Like Yvette said, sometimes you need some time before you have the conversation, but you can't let too much time pass, but you can have the conversation and just really think about what the goal is of the conversation that you're having. I think sometimes we go into conversations, not fully baked and we come out of it, not with the outcome that we would have wanted to come out of it. So constructive conversations are so important on so many levels, whether it be in our personal life, our professional life, which is really what we focused on today. But really think about when something goes wrong, you know, or something goes right. Um, Give people feedback is a great way to just communicate and let them know what's what's working and what's not. It's a very important part of, of relationships, whether they be professional or personal. Yeah. So we hope you take agree. that away. Right? Right. I think yeah. so. Yeah, I it think does so. work. You know, and giving and giving feedback is a good thing. It's difficult to both, you know, give and receive as we've kind of explained during today's episode, but it is a good thing. There's benefits to it because you can just help you and that person that you're giving feedback to grow both personally and professionally. Absolutely. And this is how you grow to be the best version of yourself, which is really what this it's podcast all is all about, right? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So we thank you all for listening and uh, look forward to the next time. Until then, bye. Did you just love what you heard on this week's episode? Well, the answer is simple. It would mean the world to us if you could head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and some feedback. Spreading the word is really the best way to grow our podcast and achieve even greater things. Thank you. Mm-hmm.